Thank you for listening to this selection from bradhambrick.com. Brad serves as pastor of counseling at the Summit Church in Durham, North Carolina, and is excited to produce resources that equip believers and resource churches to care well for one another in their community. We pray that this serves you well, and we hope that you'll consider utilizing other resources from bradhambrick.com for your personal growth and ministry endeavors. So that leads us to step eight, which is to persevere in the new life and identity to which God has called me. Um, Doug Rosenau, he says, even with all these complex factors, again, all the things that we just talked about uh, for the last two and a half hours, God heals, God's healing grace abounds. If both partners are committed to restoring the marriage, they almost always succeed. The trauma often creates a deeper and more realistic intimacy with better boundaries in place. Greater maturity grows out of the crisis that they have withered. I think that's something we need to remember. It creates a more realistic intimacy. And realistic intimacy is a sweeter intimacy. It creates a greater maturity. One of the things that that sometimes this is not true of all marriages, but sometimes in a marriage you can have two mature people and not one mature couple. They know how to operate as functional adults. And they can do that very well. But it's through a time like this that they learn how to function together in a one flesh relationship, relying on one another in good times and bads and hurts and sorrows and joys in a way that the maturity and wisdom that they gain uh, is greater. Now, what are some indicators that this new normal is happening? That as we persevere in the things that we've talked about here, what are some markers that we're looking for? Uh, our energy levels begin to return to normal. Uh, you know, fear, anger, depression, they sap our energy. Uh, as life stabilizes, we're able to rest. Our decision-making becomes clearer. We're able to focus on the decision in front of us instead of all the intruding and surrounding questions that are flooding our mind. Our appetite and sleep cycle return to normal. Our sense of humor returns. And here I would say a sense of humor that is not marked by sarcasm or by cynicism. We are able to laugh with hope, not at hope. We begin to play together as a couple. Again, a lot of what we've talked about is that side of marriage that's work. But marriage is fun too. And, and hopefully as we're hitting this stage of six and seven, or seven and eight, we are, we are able to begin to play together. We begin making plans for the future. Uh, hope allows for planning. When we didn't have hope, everything that we were thinking about the future was just fearful predicting. Now that hope is beginning to return, we can plan again. And that's a beautiful thing we're celebrating. Memory triggers are less intense. We view members of the same sex normally. We're no longer competing with them. We're willing to consider using our experience for, to help others. Again, that's something we're going to touch in this final chapter, um, but worth mentioning here. And a pervading sense of God's goodness and faithfulness begins to emerge. Because I would say it this way, the wisdom pain brings is that it shows us that God was more near 
and active even in our darkest hour. When we go through great pain and suffering, the wisdom that we gain from that is that moment when things were completely dark and we could not see God and did not think He was there. As we come out of that, we gain the wisdom, not of some great piece of advice, but this piece of wisdom that is just this more founded stability that allows us to approach new situations that may be fearful with a greater sense of certainty and confidence in God's care. Uh, From Gary and Mona Shriver, they say that night, and if you notice, that night still gets a definitive pronoun. It is still a defining moment. That night happened in 1993. Uh, Their book was published in 2005. We can now say with absolute sincerity that we have fully healed from the adultery. Our marriage is strong and mutually satisfying. We have love and trust. And I think that's redemption in reality. This is the testimony. This is somebody saying, we were groping for somebody to tell us these words. We fought for our marriage. Our marriage won. And we knew it would be incredibly, an incredibly profound gift if we could give those words to others. And you hear that they don't have a second class marriage. Uh, that is one of the suffering story lies that can very much be weeded out. Uh, Stephanie Carnes, she says, one of the tests for an intimate relationship um, is answering the question. And again, she's going to give us things that we should be looking for. Can I be most myself in your presence? Can I be creative, funny, vulnerable, productive, strong, weak, flamboyant, shy, or even smart? Uh, Can I couple any of those words with sex and romance? Can I be tough, forgiving, generous, spiritual, intuitive, graceful, clumsy, lazy, uh, self-indulgent, and disciplined? Do I feel equal, successful, attractive, encouraged, trusted, and believed? Can I be fully as confident as I can be and not have my partner disappear? Do I feel challenged? Can I be accountable and hold my partner accountable? Is it okay to make a mistake? Does our time together really seem to matter? Now, I don't think I'm the one to comment on this. I just find it humorous that she says one test and there's at least like 32 in there. Uh, Now, as the person who wrote 107 pages... I can't throw the first stone. Um, But I think she does. She does give us uh, some key areas to look at and to think about. And as we think about that, if you've been going through this material in counseling, part of a freedom group, one of the things that you have to begin to ask yourself here is how do I prepare for my transition? And one of the things that if you're not already, I would so encourage is to make sure you're in a small group. Because if you go from community, from the community of recovery, to the isolation of normal, that's going to be a huge mistake. If while you are recovering, you have people in your life who know you and care about you, that you can be really honest with, and then you stop counseling, you graduate your freedom group, and you don't have that, One of our foundational statements is you will never be more pure than you are honest. We need that context of community. Um, Learn accountability and encouragement on a broader scale. Um, Accountability that exists only during or after 
immediately after a moral crisis spawns the next crisis. I can't tell you the number of couples who come. They come in for counseling. They do better for a while while somebody is holding them accountable. They feel really good about it. They go back to being isolated. They hit the next crisis because they were alone again. And so learn accountability that is bigger than a sin hunt. Did you look at pornography this week? Did you get any messages from your adultery partner? Learn accountability that is encouragement and is not just running from sin, but pursuing what God would have for you. And then finally, have a plan for continued study. Uh, There's lots of stuff in the appendices where we've given you direction there. And then finally, uh, from uh, Gary and Mona, forgiveness is a direction you are taking. Keep walking towards it. As we near the end of a seminar, it is easy to give the impression that this is going to be easy. But you will still have emotional setbacks. Um, The biggest question that I would give you as you have those moments of emotional setback uh, is how are you understanding those setbacks? What story are you using to make sense of those painful moments? Because the gospel is not immune to pain. It's not as if when we feel pain, we have stepped outside of the gospel story. Uh, The gospel is realistic towards our pain. And so, as long as we are interpreting that in times where we can say, you know what, it is really hard for me. I want to tell you one of the most beautiful things that I have seen. It is a couple who went through a very painful process and it it was intensely traumatic for them based on many other things. And I heard them in my office. There were several variables that had brought this back into their life. And in this case, she had been the one that was unfaithful. And as he talked about his pain, he protected his wife with every word he said. He didn't minimize his pain, but he was so caring and tender not to throw his pain at her. And she was so tender and receptive as she heard and didn't shrink back from it. And and in that moment when I was counseling them, they felt like they were failing. And I simply stepped back and I said, that had to be one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. Not because it was pleasant, but because I saw the two of you care for one another in a way that I think six months ago you would have been utterly incapable of. And they looked at one another And they had this tearful smile as they realized that they were still talking about the pain. It wasn't very frequent. It took some big events to bring it back. But they were talking about it within the context and through the model of the gospel. And even that was bringing them closer together. And that, I think, is what perseverance is.